Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live. This is Pitch Tech Asia. My name is Graham Brown. Joined in the studio by Marilyn Marquet. Welcome. Thank you for welcoming me here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We're going to do a journey today into the world of Helint and digital health. And also, I'm glad to welcome a fellow French ambassador to the studio here. We have a very strong contingent here in Singapore from France. So I'm sure. How long have you been in Singapore? Four years. Four years. Come from? The UK. How long were you in the UK? Three years. All right. Okay. So was that your sort of first stint abroad? No. Um, Where else have you been? Long journey. Was okay. raised in the Middle East. Oh, wow. Whereabouts? Um, Saudi Arabia. Wow. And um, my dream was to work in the US. So uh -huh. my first job was in New York. Uh -huh. My first daughter was born in New York and then traveled a bit, met my husband in Belgium, and uh, we continuously move from one place to the other. Amazing. And then we have three children, so we're going to slow down. Yeah. I guess. I bet it was a great education for them, though. Yeah. Well, I have three. One yeah. was born on each continent, and I'll stop wow. here. <laughs> I can say. You're running out of continents as well, so. Y yeah, the other options, I'm not too keen. All right, great. Well, uh, you know, that is an interesting narrative as well about the sort of the entrepreneur's journey as well. And how, I mean, I've lived in many different countries myself. So, you know, the fact you move around, you see different things, you get insights, you see how things are done in different countries and so on. Those are the soft skills that make great entrepreneurs. Well, I say so for myself. So, <laughs> But maybe we can talk a little bit about that as well as we, we go into this. So your background, did you come from the world of pharma, from health? How would you describe yourself? So I actually came from the investment banking. So I learned some skills around numbers, mm -hmm. I guess, and analytical skills. And um, moved to, after I graduated from the MBA in SEAD, I joined the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. And I discovered a very interesting world. And with the new word AI and digital, you know, there was something out there that was attracting. And that's why I'm here today. Yeah, I guess yeah. this is the merger of uh, two thoughts in my head. And Kim's real. Okay. Well, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about Helint. So in the pharmaceutical world, were you involved in drug discovery or the marketing side or help us understand? <laughs> I'm a pure commercial person. The only thing I know how to do is sell. Right. So everything about selling. I was a, so I started as a project manager, you know, for just to discover the world of pharmaceutical. And, mm. and then, then I joined product manager role, marketing roles. And, and then there was this new type of functions that was health solutions, meaning we knew there was something beyond the pill, but we didn't know what it was. So we called it good only health solutions. So I entered right. that world through the marketing arm, commercial arm. We believed that we could sell better uh, if we sold something beyond the pill. Right. And that was beyond educating a patient it was just to create some sort of new solutions we didn't know what it was mm. and that was like eight years ago maybe this new world i was in yansen so part of jnj big house and I, I mean i loved it and it was my first love in pharmaceutical industry yeah um, what was the health solutions part was that sort of you know once you've sold the product there's sort of services that go into that yeah like a SaaS model for customers it, if you like no exactly it was the, the i we didn't we had to define what it was yeah before me, mm. <laughs> before me was the pill. But we knew that post-prescriptions, we could do some some things to help solve some problems. You, you, you have to have a problem, right, before you solve it. And the, the patients had several. One of them was that they were, we are, 
all of us, non-adherent. We don't respect the rules, especially as French, I guess we're not. But we, we don't respect what we're being told if we don't understand why we have to do it. Right. It's like a child, you know, you don't tell them why they have to not to, and they, they won't listen. So you have to educate, but in a wide terms, and you have to support that education with some tools. So the basic one, we don't remember those that uh, are too young, probably in the startup business, but we, you and I can remember the time where we didn't have iPhones mm. and just to be reminded to take a pill was called a reminder. And now it seems obvious that we needed to bring that support, extra support to a patient, yeah, because they had so many things to do, raise their kids, go to work, and they forgot their pill. Mm. And, and so we started with this um, adherence problem, but... Beyond adherence, there's so many other things that a patient doesn't know how to do, how to inject himself, how to ask questions to his uh, doctors. And so this wide, um, un, um, I mean, this wide problem was to be addressed by someone. The pharmaceutical industry is keen on doing it because they have a goal to sell more drugs, mm -hmm. yeah, but they also have a bit of cash, like we can say. And so they were probably in there for that reason. And the startup world is just coming at the right time because we all have so many ideas that we can bring to life. And then the pharmaceutical industry is our best partner in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So we've got a really good background as okay. to why you're here. I'm going to ask you two questions. Let's take them one at a time. Firstly, describe to us what Helint is so we can put it on the table and understand what yeah. box it sits in. And then I'm going to ask you why. So why you? Why are you doing this? Right. Let's do the first one. What is Helint? So Helint was uh, founded by three people, one tech, one marketing and one product person that wanted to solve a problem. Um, Helint stands for health intelligence. So as you can see, we put the AI world word in, in, in the title here, in the, in the name. So those three people th thought they could solve um they could solve the, the, the um, okay, how I put it. <laughs> you asked me first that which box we're in. Yeah. yeah. We're in the digital health. And why that? It's because with digital tools, so the phone, you can solve many issues. And we're solving the real um, data analytics problem, meaning how we solve this um, a problem with gathering data, analyzing them, and giving something back to the user, right. the patient. Got it. What it is that we give them back is prediction. We can predict a health event. We can predict an attack. We can predict something that will happen to them, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and so that idea came um, in the mind of three great people. Um, and what they did is they created a front end, the app. Many users are using it. And today, with that much data, we're able to predict more and more things. Now it's the way we're going to give back that is hard to, to do. I think a lot of people understood that data was the key. And now it's how do you give back? How do you predict? How do you give that message back to someone? Yeah. No one wants to hear that they're going to die. Mm. No one wants to hear they're going to have an issue today. So this is where we are today, I think. Interesting. Yeah, and that sort of almost goes back to the rules part, that people have got to be motivated to yield the data because then you get up-to-date data and people stay on top of it and keep their app updated and so on. So, you know, collecting the data is one thing, but it's a two-way process. They exactly. have to get something out of it. Okay, so I, I want to ask you about that when we get into the pitch deck. Why? Why you? Why Marilyn? Why are you doing this? You you are from the safe world of pharma and investment banking even. Why go into the startup world and why are you doing this particularly? Why do you think this sort of makes sense for you now? Especially, you know, you've, you've got a family. It's a risk to go into the world of startups and so on. 
Yeah. Um, I ask myself this often. Yeah. You, you can't avoid this thing. Why didn't I stay in the safe world? I think it's something beyond you, something that attracts you that you want to change the world. Yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah. But we want to change something. We know we have the skills and then the team, they're great skills. And I saw in this team, the great skills of solving a problem. And I thought, I'm going to add to that. Yeah. And you, of course, I think there is a big part of the ego and crazy madness, if you want to call that mix and then says, okay, I can help and then we can solve. And you're just going in. Then once you're in, you're thinking, how am I getting out of there? You know, <laughs> and, and, but that's the case for anyone that has a mad, mad idea, unless mm -hmm. they're too arrogant to say they're going to do it by themselves. So why me? Because I believed when I joined the pharmaceutical industry, that was my first intuition. I believed I could do better for my kids by bringing new things. And I was not a doctor myself. Yeah, I couldn't save them. So I needed to bring my little thoughts and uh, brain to the table to say, okay, what can we do beyond? How can I help my kids be adherent? How can I help my kids not being sick? Mm. Well, two things. You can help them by giving them a solution beyond the pill and by predicting what's going to happen. And so it comes along the way, a lot of genetics tests before, you know, they're born and you want to know everything before they're born, how they're going to get sick, when. But once they're here, you also want to prevent them from having a bad day. Mm. And that's why I did it. And I think my biggest motivation are my three kids and a little bit of my ego. Yeah. <laughs> I think, let's see. Be honest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of the madness. You have yeah. to believe that, you know, you. I, I think like Peter Thiel from... PayPal, you know, the billionaire investor asks startups, what is it that the universal people disagree with you on that, you know, when you have conversations about what you're doing, people are like, no, I don't see that. Or, you know, I don't get it. Or, you know, you, you're banging your head against the wall. So there's a little bit of madness. You have to believe ahead, ahead of the market until yeah. people catch up. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. And I think we're all mad, by the way, at Hillint. I'm just saying this so that they listen. Well, it's all relative. So, <laughs> yes. okay. All right. Well, let me ask you then, taking that forward, what is the problem? You know, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And, and I can dive into the pitch deck to maybe sort of flash up some pointers for this. And, and bear in mind that some people are listening rather than watching. So they might not see what we're seeing now. If I jump forward to slide four on the pitch deck, um, Let's look at the problem from the, the industry perspective. So help us understand, I mean, you know, I'm not of that world and we're looking at a table which has a lot about pharma and, you know, data and so on. Tell us in, in, in a nub, what is this about? What's going on at the moment? What's the sort of meta trend? Sure. The industry and the governments are facing... Um I don't know, Some a lot of us are saying that we can't be w ruled by some doctors or the industry. So the industry is facing themselves. How do I defend myself of proving that my drugs is worth something? And that's called the real world evidence. In, mm. the, in, in the pharma world, that's what, how we call it. In the real world, we just call it data. How do we prove with our own data, the real world, us, mm. that we can um, use this drug in the most efficient way? So this is what we're, uh, the pressure is coming from. The governments are saying, I'm not reimbursing until you prove me that the real people, not in your clinical trials specifically, but beyond, are also going to use it right. And that's the real world. So we are proving the evidence with collecting this data that the real world is using it either the right way or the wrong way, In if the wrong way, course correcting it. So far, we're only proving, and to be honest, that the clinical trials have done a great 
job of proving that the drugs were working right. for this type of people. We're proving it the real world way. So let, let me understand that. So I'm yeah. not of your world. No, 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 so right. and I'm sure, you know, people watching may ask as well. When testing is done, the validation is done in pharmaceuticals. It's clinical testing. It's the trials, which take a long time long and the time. approval process. And, you know, people take the pills and they write down the, the notes and they do it in a lab and so on. But what you're saying is, okay, now take those people and put them in the wild, right? Go to work, do their lives, yeah. Yeah. Busy, forget, yeah. tired, bored of this. Let's see what happens. Is that what you're saying? Let's exactly. validate. Okay. Exactly. So we call it phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, you know, many phases. That's what takes time and money. Right. Before phase three, it's all done in-house or really in controlled way. Phase four starts to be wild and then the real world happens. Yeah. And that's what we're proving by collecting the data. And you're exactly right. In the clinical, we have to take notes. We have to give the back to the mm. doctors and it's collected in a very proper way. I come from that world. There is nothing hidden here. But what do we what do we want to believe as other people outside? We want to believe, you know, your peers. You want to believe your neighbor. And so this apps that we create the front end is the way to collect in your everyday life it's an it, it's a yeah it's once you're in the wild you have a few minutes to remember a lot of things yeah. and you just want to capture that information and in an easy way but in a true way and that's where ai comes you know mm. because we can't really lie with a phone where we are so the location is picked up we can't lie about the weather it's picked up by some other people that joins this app and so you also want a tool that is proof uh, any controversy, I would mm. say. Okay, great. Well, you, you set up the solution part. We'll go okay. there and talk about the app itself. Um, go, just to drill down on the problem a little bit. So we've identified there's an industry problem, which is that a lot of the validation happens in clinical conditions because they're clinical yeah. trials. So that's yeah. what they're called. But in the real world, it kind of breaks down a little bit. Do you have sort of any data or insights actually how that breaks down? So for example, if we ran, um, and I don't know what kind of drugs this would apply to, or whether it's like nutrition or pharma, for example, on the, the disease side, for example, like for example, if you had an oncology drug, it works in trials, but in, in reality, what happens is, is, you know, 60% drop off after three months. Can you sort of enlighten yep. us and what you know about that? Yeah. So I'll tell you our pro the problem we're trying to solve. And we have to be very humble. And, you know, I told you about ego, but we have to be humble. We're trying to solve one thing at a time, all of us. We can't solve everything. So today, Helint is trying to solve the neurology problem. And one specific problem we've been addressing in the last four years is migraine. So exactly what you were saying. 50% of people are never going to be diagnosed migraine for many reasons. They don't know where to go, they don't know what they have, and they're not capturing the symptoms of their disease. So you're solving an undiagnosed problem. The other problem you're solving is that out of a GP training, it's about four hours to be trained on how to diagnose a migraine or headache. 12 hours of all training of a specialist. But you have to realize that it's about 3% of their consultation as a GP and 30% of ATP. So they're seeing a lot of patients with that disease mm. and they're not really trained to be diagnosed, to diagnose. So, okay, people are undiagnosed. People are not trained to diagnose. That's a big thing. And once they're diagnosed, and when I'm saying who is diagnosed, it's about one in seven people, one billion on our planet has suffered or is suffering currently of migraines, one billion. And so half of them are not diagnosed. And those that are diagnosed, they're unhappy about either the drug they take or about their life. Mm. 
And so you're solving two things, helping the diagnose to happen faster, giving them the information to diagnose faster. There is a, a, you need to have a few information in the last two to three months to be able to capture that information and diagnose. And for the patient to be able to go see a doctor and say, please believe me, mm. I know it's invisible, my pain, but please believe me, it captured my sensors of my phone of my app is capturing that. Okay. Mm. Then imagine in the best world, they see the right person and they're diagnosed. Then they say, what do you give me? And they have the options to treat acute. So it means oh, I'm having something horrible. Give me something now or prevent, you know, so either by telling them what's going to happen or giving them a preventive drugs. And that's the second thing we do. We're able to predict when it's going to happen and which drug you're supposed to take. Based on all the data you've gathered. All the data we've gathered okay. over the years. But it's a massive issue and everyone mm. is interested. We talked about the industry and the government, but the employers are massively interested. Employers are having people not coming to work. It's the second cause yeah. of short-term absence. So yeah. one time you have a flu, the second time is because you have a headache or a migraine and you can't get up, mm. you can't go to work. And those employers out there, everyone is interested. And there's no solutions. Well, now so, there is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, employers and the benefits for them as well. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> the cost for them is phenomenal. Yeah. And as well as beyond the cost, the human factor as yeah. well about well-being and so on. Uh, you, you have a couple of market slides. We'll have a look at those as well and then talk about the solution. And I, I wonder, without sort of preempting what you're going to talk about, is that do you, is this applicable? I know you're focusing very much on one problem getting that right with migraines a billion people would this work and be applicable to very systemic diseases like for example um diabetes or would it work for for example what is very much on people's minds these days is mental health and mental well-being so you know bipolar for example which i, I guess lend themselves very well to tracking you know of the of symptoms and you know causes and attacks and so on so yeah um i mean there is there are different ways of seeing it one way is who has migraines and who do we know really well so we know by the comorbidity they have so right. bipolar we have five percent of people having bipolar so we know them yeah so you're profiling them the pro and, yeah okay. we are profiling to see who do we understand that's yeah. one thing so 30 percent have mental health issues as a result or as a, you know, beyond, before they have migraines. So these are the people we know and the autoimmune disease. This is all connected to the neurology system and your genetics. So this is what we're studying and you're right, we're going to go beyond migraine, but it has to be meaningful. We should know them and we should know if our predictives or algorithms are working. Mm. Um, and, and that's what we're, we've been looking into, of course, okay. and we're going to release something in Q2. So. All, right. All right, we're getting ahead of ourselves then. We'll, we'll go into the, the growth plans as well. So let, let's start. Um, we're going to go, before we go into the solution, just have a look at the market size itself. So I'm going to flip backwards and forwards a little bit, Marilyn. So sure. um, you, you have a slide in number three here, which um, gives us the size. some data on, you, you just talked about migraines, for example. Yep. Um, so this is more of the profiling stuff, isn't it? Which is, you know, you have, okay, more women than men get migraines for whatever reason, and more parents than non-parents get migraine. Okay. <laughs> Let's not come go to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We think many reasons why that might be the case, right? So and those that work more than those that don't work. <laughs> Funny enough, no? <laughs> what causes migraines? It might migraines? be cause and effect or it might be effect and cause. We don't know. So, all right. So, we've got some profiling data, but you have later on in the pitch deck some um, sort of more uh, yep. macro market slides as well, population analysis and also... 
some words I don't understand, like <laughs> comorbidities. Comorbidities, yeah, <laughs> and I used it already. All right, um, what, what is this market sure. about? slide about? Can you explain a little bit? So this slide is, yeah, yeah, so those two slides are referring to the populations we've uh, looked at and studied, and that's the, the, the population that is using our apps. It is not reflecting the market out there. So one billion people out there having migraines, it's quite, you know, the same everywhere in the world. Yeah, more women and the, the population is about 10 to 15% anywhere. But we've captured first in the US, then Europe, and we're coming to Asia and growing. So that's the first slide. The second slide is telling you comorbidities means what other disease do you have? Because rarely, okay. as an individual, you have one. And it's either... It's the cause or your genes that causes it, but it's the, the, the that's what it says. So when you suffer migraine, one out of two suffers of depressions. Right. There are two reasons for that. Chronic conditions, any chronic condition, diabetes, anything that lasts, you know. So like a marriage causes a bit of depression sometimes it's yeah. because it lasts and you have to fight it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I hope my husband is listening, but in a positive way. Um, you know, so the, the mental disorders are here and the muscle pain and the joint pains, it's caused by this disease because your neurologist system, your head, yeah. you know, you want to bang your head and the wall. That's what causes tensions everywhere. Mm. So your bones are uh, suffering. That's what it says. So uh, one out of four is suffering muscle and joint pain. Right. So yeah. you basically, it could yeah. be like a leading indicator of something else yes. more serious. Yes. And therefore the whole idea of tracking helps you identify maybe other diseases. So migraines and in maybe into other yeah, we can. I right? can give you a, a terrible and a great ex uh, experience we've had is that person that was tracking um, his uh, migraines um, led to a brain tumor um, diagnosis. Mm. It's because the neck pain, the migraines and some other things that they were tracking led them to think with us that there was a brain yeah. beyond, you know, something worse. So they went to see, they did a scan and they found the brain tumor. Right. This a is a classic case of somebody going to a doctor normally and say, oh, I've got a headache. They get diagnosed as a migraine sufferer, and then they go away, and then two weeks later they're dead. Exactly. You know, yeah. That, that, that happens. It, I mean, is, it yeah. is. So no, it is. It is exactly how it happens. So right. it's supposed to help people go beyond what they're not really sure. You know, and mm. like I told you, this invisible pain that we're all suffering that our husband doesn't believe when we say it because it's woman. Yeah. Our employer doesn't believe in it. So oh, he's, he's sick again. Yeah, it's, it's skiving. Or they just yeah, bunking yeah. off. So. so this is this is the mm. the tool to prove it. Okay. Awesome. Well, there's a lot of money being spent on this as well. You said 56 billion on migraine <laughs> medicine alone. And that, is that generally like just, you know, you're a fan or. <laughs> so these are the cheap ones, but you can go to the most expensive ones if they're badly used. And that's the case for any drugs. No pharmaceutical industry would want to sell it bad because the real world will prove wrong. So you want the right drugs to the right person at the right yeah. time. And I told you acute, meaning when my, I want to bang my head, you want to use neurofen, mm. but you want to use it right. Otherwise, you just. You know, using mm. pills and not wrong, right. And the 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 other drugs, there are many, many other drugs. There are also many medical devices that are reimbursed. If they're wrongly used, they're costing to the system without solving your problem as an individual. Okay. And that costs a lot of money to everyone. Let's talk about your solution then. Okay. So, I already said something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have a look at it on the pitch deck. We've got a, a few slides here about what it actually is. So if I can sort of jump back to slide six and seven, there's sort of a breakdown yeah. of the actual platform itself. So, I mean, you've talked about the, this is kind of more the ecosystem and the workflow here of how the data feeds. Let's talk about the actual app itself and how it works. Tell us about what it is, how it works. 
So all of you should download who are you listening today mm. or after Migraine Buddy. Migraine Buddy is our first uh, app that we launched uh, four years ago. Migraine Buddy is the, it's a very intuitive app that works for an attack. So you have a crisis and that's where you collect the information. So that's why you come back because a migrainer has several migraines and comes back and comes back. You're not asking them questions. Migraine Buddy has been uh, plugged onto a backend, that's the ecosystem, so that we could collect and analyze data. So it's not only what you see, it's what we do with what we see and mm. collect. There are um, about 200 data points that we collect, 200 data points of you, meaning what you tell me from, you know, telling me I have an attack, this is the pain, but also what you don't tell me, where you are, the weather, the did you sleep, did you walk, did you talk to someone? I'm going to capture this information. And, of course, with your consent at the beginning. So this is the, 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 the app um, asking a lot of questions to be able to tell you something meaningful. I need that. And for your doctor, it's the same thing. Mm. Um yeah. Um, so the so, app has. Sorry, so just yeah. let me ask you about that. Is that the data that you collect, and you've got two hundred data points that can range for everything from what you ate to the weather. So, um, are you doing that because a the uh, the nature of a migraine is it's very specific to individuals, or b people don't know what causes it, and therefore we're trying to work out it could people could actually discover it's barometric air pressure that causes migraines. It's everything else was just sort of a random red herring, and do we know? So we do know some of the factors, but they they differ from one person to the other. Weather is huge, so we had to collect the weather. The humidity, the pressure in the air, the pollution will impact your, your day. Mm. The sleep. You sleep too much. You sleep too less. You've interrupted your sleep. This is a massive issue for um, any chronic conditions, to be honest. But mm -hmm. migraines is definite impact. Um, what are the sensors? If you walk and if you don't walk, so the exercise, too much activity, not too much. So we have to capture those data and correlate for you as an individual. Mm. So you're not actually trying to identify necessarily what the cause is, but what are the sort of input factors that create the attack? So it, it's so it's just so I understand, because, for example, like you say, um, maybe it's because this person sleeps too much that, you know, they're having a migraine attack. Well, you can maybe say, well, we don't know that, but we know that when they do sleep a lot, they more don't like, have a migraine. Or they, or they do, do, or the, whatever yeah. the input factors are. And that may be another indicator of something else underneath, right? It's, I'm sort of drilling down a little bit as I'm a data guy, so no, I'd like no, to so understand. You imagine that you're... You're telling me that, oh, I didn't sleep and I have had this migraine. So I'm thinking, yeah. oh, maybe that's the cause. But I see that you actually slept well. or And then in the last three months, you, whenever you slept well, you didn't have migraine. So it's not mm. that. It's something else. And I need to find out what it is. So, yes, you have a... We always think that it's caused by our children and by the lack of sleep. But it's probably something else. Yeah. Often not. It's your lifestyle. Lifestyle meaning if you've eaten processed food or alcohol... Not so good for you. Mm. But you might forget because we're French. We drink wine. Yeah. And we then, all forget. And then we forget the next morning that we yeah. had that wine. We thought, oh, I didn't sleep well. No, actually, it was the alcohol you drank or the chips you ate, you know. Mm. And that's what we're trying to dissociate. And I mean, that's where the greatness of data analysts are. You know, I mean, the team is always working out those numbers and pulling and saying, no, no, it's not this. Let, let's remove it. Actually, the cause is behind, behind this. Yeah. And as an analytical brain, you want to believe you know, but you don't. I mean, you need statisticians behind. Okay. So your your app is available on 
app stores. It's freely available for yes. people to download. Yes. To what extent are GPs or uh, medical professionals using the app or accessing the data on the other side? Is that working? Is, are people on board with that or is that next step? It was a first step. I mean, they had to convince the, so we call it key opinion leaders, the, mm. the, 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 the guru of the, the neurologist that it was meaningful. So we looked, we didn't build it with them, but once it was built, we had to prove that it was useful for, for their patients and they're all bought in. So the, the neurologist in Singapore um, uses it, the, the, the top the top ones are using it and they've um, definitely been convinced that it was useful. GPs is a long way. We love mm. GPs. And actually, of course, if we could you know, call it out there and say, you have four hours training, you don't know how to, to diagnose, you're going to miss out. Look at what is mm. recorded. Would be great. It's going to take a long time. Um, but all the neurologists in the world and uh, all the headache societies and migrant societies have been using it. And that's why it's working quite well for us. Not well enough. We need to have more people. We always do, yeah. Always. So if you came to me as a neuro, I was your GP or neurologist consultant and you had a migraine, would I then ask to see the data? Would that Yeah, be... so I could send you the report, yeah. you know, beforehand on, at the moment or just show you my app and you'd be able in a very quick way to see what I had. The symptoms, the length of and the duration of my migraine and the peak intensity. Mm. Those factors, you don't remember. Mm. Um, and then I, I, I think also it's, it's more captured not only because I have the app but all the tools we've put in place to capture that information. We've created um, the, so now I'm talking, you know, tech thing, but the natural language processing, everyone is talking about it. It's because the voice tells a lot of things. And Alexa, Google Home came in our lives and we don't really know how to use it yet, but mm. we are starting to do it. So you can say, hey, Alexa, I have a migraine. Let's talk later. It's recording you have a migraine. We'll come back to you and say, you've had a migraine. Did it stop? How was it? Blah, blah, blah. This is why we call it, you know, the the, the new world. I mean, this mm. is the, the future is now, but with those tools, we we're, we're making it easier. And 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 yeah, I think this is why we have more data than anyone. So I'm curious about the, the longer term vision of that as well. Is that it? Will there be? It sounds like obviously this is an in to many other diseases and conditions. Obviously, you're sort of mastering a very narrow bandwidth condition, which you know how it works. It's easily controllable. Master that and then move into other areas. And then from that, you know, will there be a world where everybody's carrying this app, collecting data? For the medical professionals, I'm sure for them, they could preempty a lot of attacks, like in migraines, yeah. but a lot of conditions. Like, you know, would there be... Are we going to that world where a doctor or consultant or even a, a bot can reach out to somebody and say, hey, look, I've just seen some of your personal KPI or personal indicators, your blood indicators or your, you know, how you've been sounding. And I think there's a problem. You know, it could be a blood condition. It could be early signs of cancer. It could be, you know, like a nervous condition or mental condition, whatever it may be. Is that sort of where we're heading with this, like this sort of preempting disease it's like that movie, I can't remember, the yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise, <laughs> but for disease rather than crime. No, no, but this is, this is, I mean, the predictive world. No one really know, you know, what it is, how we're going to use it, but this is where we're heading. We want, you know, we were told prevention a few yeah. years back. Okay, preventing diabetes is not just telling you not to eat chips, it's doing a lot more. And predictive analytics are this, this new way of, of doing medicine. 
We can do a genetic test before you were born, but we can also tell you that you've walked too much, too less. And the doctors are going to have so many useful tools that they will do their job even better, faster, and not miss. The worst thing, I'm not a doctor, but I'm sure the worst thing is to see someone go because you've missed it. Yeah. And so you're giving them the options to continue to be God so that they're not being removed because no one can be removed as a doctor. There are a lot of things that... You know, we have to say, see, but we're, yeah, yeah, I think this is where we're going, predictives for sure. Okay, I very interesting. I had something in my mind and I've forgotten then. Yeah, maybe it's the Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, the Tom so, Cruise just, just Yeah, so, all right, let's talk about how you actually make money out of this then. So what, what is the revenue model for this? Are you charging the users or are you charging the people on the other side collecting the data? So we're so the, the, the app is free, so we're not making money from the users themselves. Mm. There's probably an, um, so there are different, a lot of us are trying different models, but there is a way of uh, selling probably premium things to the users that would want more, more, more. They, you know, mm. they want more predictive. This is not the model we're in yet. Then we have different uh, stakeholders that are buying things from us. And you're right, there is the data, but the data is a bad word in our world, mm. is that we have to process the data, aggregate the data, make some sense out of data. So you can think about insurers. They want to know if they can prevent an A&E because it costs so much money to them. They can prevent the disability, the absence. You're going to have to pay. So the predictive, the pre prevention is where we're heading with insurance. The pharmaceutical industry wants to do virtual trials in the real world, go everywhere, not to have depends on doctors on the office and, and not being told that they're not doing the real world way. Hmm. So the virtual clinical recruitment of patients is one. The insights, knowing... I think the pharmaceutical industry was missing this link with patients directly because they're yeah. not allowed to talk to them. It's only the doctor. So we're giving them an eye of what is happening in the real world in an aggregated and anonymized way. Of course, mm. this is where we became really strong in, in, in technology, but we can give them an eye. I mean, they deserve to. They work 20 years on developing something and suddenly we're saying, no, no, only the doctors will know. Mm. So this is one. And then the doctors, the doctors would want to use this app Monetizing is a difficult thing with doctors, but I think the, the fact that they want to do publications, registries, we can be the largest registry in neurology. So there is another option. So different ways to monetize. It's definitely a B2B hmm. than a B2C because consumer are not keen on paying yet. Um, but it's definitely the data, the is, data the, is the key. The, the real gold mine that you're sitting on yes. here. But you need to be careful how you use it and process but it. But it's anonymized, like you say. Yeah, in yeah, many it's, cases. So it's interesting as well, you mentioned like insurance, because I imagine that um, there may be, I'm trying to, I mean, I don't know about the insurance of like, you know, very systemic diseases, for example, like diabetes, for example, if you're a diabetes sufferer, you still need life insurance, you still need travel insurance, all these different kinds of insurance, health insurance and so on. And it's a, it's a growing market. Yet there must be a lot of people who are not getting insured because generally, if you took the spread, the aggregate spread, they're probably a risky uh, population than normal people who don't have diabetes. Yet if that condition was managed, then possibly it could be, you know, they could bring those sort of risks, premiums right down to the average population, right? Just like with driving, if, you know, if you can monitor somebody's driving, if they could be managed, then, you know, even if they're an 18 year old kid, they can probably drive as safely as your average like family person, right? So what I'm thinking about is that, you know, there are probably a lot of people who don't get insured because their premiums are too high because it's too risky. It could be, for example, like HIV sufferers, right? 
because it is an expensive, well, I know the costs are coming right down, but a very expensive condition to treat. But yet, if it was managed properly, and they had that sort of real world, into the wild data, they could actually bring those premiums right down and then give cover to those people who never had cover before because they were too expensive. Is that something? I'm just sort of free style thinking forward about where this could apply beyond simply pharmaceutical. There's also the whole insurance and life insurance, health insurance area. I think it's, um, so <laughs> the insurance world is a, not an ugly world, but it's an old world and they're changing. And I'm not speaking for the CEO here. I mean, I, I know that he, he had a hard time thinking about insurers because we are coming with this idea that they would refuse someone if we tell them something. So we come up with this. We're not going to tell the insurer the name of the person that shouldn't be insured for his risk premium to be blah, blah, blah. But what we can do is work with the insurers to be on at the right moment, prevent, and at the right moment, help and reduce what it's going to cost to the insurers, but mm. still be there. Now, in the long run, can we insure everyone? I'm sure this is where we're heading. Everyone wants to be insured. And to be honest, you see me here. I'm not suffering from migraine. Uh, my insurer refused to insure my unborn child. And I was like... Okay, then I'm just going to go see your neighbor. I mean, this On is what crazy. Basis? The, the basis they say that yeah, because I was not insured with them before, that you need two weeks discharge yeah. after they're discharged to insure him. They say, yeah, but that's at the time they were born that I need you. Yeah, they refuse. So you're thinking, how am I going to get them to insure me anyway with this predicted? I don't know. It's coming, but I know a lot of insurers are coming to us to give more services. You see how the pharma has shifted to give solutions beyond the pill? Mm. The insurers are coming and shifting to provide more solutions. The drug price are coming down, but they're working for a lot more people, more diagnosed. So you could think the insurers are going to come down and insure a lot more people because statistically it makes sense. They're coming. They want to offer you a second consultation. They want to offer you a prevention wellness program. Because they know that the more they offer, the more people are healthy and mm. the better it is for them as a whole. I mean, it's statistic. If we're all behaving well, it's going to come. So it's coming. Insurers know that they're going to run out of business at some point if they continue to do what they're doing because we're able to predict so many things and they want to do it the same. Mm. So I hope we're changing the world for the best and, and then the insurers will come down. And then the next time I have a baby, I'm not having a baby. Um, they will insure me. Continents. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the whole insurance thing is really just, it's the outliers that drive up the premiums for everybody. And the outliers probably are people that could be managed. They could be helped. Yeah, yeah? exactly. Help because you, sometimes genetics don't help you, so you have to be helped during the, your life. Um, I was uh, I was listening to many podcasts before I came here because I didn't want to sound too bad, and I have no idea how it, you know it sounds. But I was listening to Tim O'Reilly talking about his last book, WTF. I mm. loved this title, mm. and I was thinking. I mean, he was really saying the future belongs to us. We will do something great with the future if we want to. So this is what we have to believe. And when we're starting with this ego thing, it's we believe we can change the world for the best because mm. otherwise we're not here, not in the healthcare world. I don't believe any of the startup in the healthcare just, just want to be there for entrepreneur or money. We want to be there because we believe we're going to change the world for the, the, fu the future for the, the best. And you will ask, ask any of the co-founders of any startups in digital health. They've had an issue in their family. Yeah, they absolutely. all have. Yeah. And, Seen and that. that's what made you realize, oh, you're human. 
Yeah. And I, and I need help. Yeah. All of us do need help. Okay. Well, let's talk then about who's involved on this mission. Okay. The crazy ones, but I think that's said in a very sort of like complimentary and positive tone. That yes. Crazy in the sense that maybe they just challenge the status quo. So to change the world, you have to be a little bit out of the comfort yes. zone. So um, back into the pitch day, I'll have a look at slide 17. You've got the lineup here of the team. Maybe you can talk about a little bit about who everybody hears because there's a big slide here with what we've got 21 people up here. Yes. Um, so there's the nice, on, okay. nice picture and then it evolves. And so that I gave you the latest pictures. Okay. Um, <laughs> can tell you who they are. Yeah. No, with that, well, we, we don't have time to go for all 21. So um, <laughs> maybe you can just tell about where everybody came from generally. You know, what's the background? Where did people meet? And what sort of, sort of you know. What gathers them around yeah, the table. Exactly. I'm just curious about the culture a little bit as well. So where did they all come from? Generally, are they, is it a lot from France or, you know, what's the, the background there? So there's definitely a, a French batch and you can see them by name. So the French batch is because probably French are complex and they like to have complex way of talking. So we understand each other. Yeah. So they're a bunch of us. Um, we're great. France is known to be great at solving problems. And that's why we're here. You have a line of tech people, and they come around from around the world. We have people from Singapore, China, India, and and to be honest, they're just good developer, and and they have all good ethics. And then there is a a batch of people that are commercial, and the commercial are the bad guys here, you know, because we are supposed to make money out of it. But all of us that are in commercial came from a patient view, either public health, nurses, pharmacists. Um, I came from the pharmaceutical industry, I think. I mean, we, we all believe that we could do something with, for the patients. And then there's a batch that I didn't talk about, but the data analyst and scientist. Mm. And those guys are the, the one that have to deal with statistics and make meaningful comments because they're talking about people. Okay. And, and I think this is the this course, why I came and why I wanted to come is because this war of talents is happening everywhere around the world. And the... If anyone were to study something today, they should study data because there's there's scarce, scarce, mm. you say? Yeah, scarce. 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 Yeah. Um, so the data, we have four or five and we increase every time, but they're the hard ones to find. I went to EDB and EDBI, I say, do you have some more? Can you send them through us? Oh, they're, everyone is going after yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. The Facebooks and Googles are snapping them up. So the uh, your team's all here in Singapore? Everyone is in Singapore. We have two people in Thailand, one in Vietnam. Uh, that's just life that happens. They got married or something. Right. But we're all based in Singapore. Headquarters is here. Because we're all from... They're the co-founders and I all came from INSEAD and we, well, it's a Singapore company. It's a Singapore incorporated company. Okay. So obviously it's a big team. You're fundraising at the moment. Yes, Can we, we are. Can talk a little bit about your fundraising? Yes. And how, we haven't talked about how old the company is. So when did you actually start the company? So incorporation was 2014. So you're five years in. Five years Four or five in. Years. We're supposed to not be called ourselves a startup, but you know, you're, you don't really know when to stop yeah. because 20, you still lack of cash. So we're raising eight to 10 millions. We're mm. in the Serie A batch. We mm. had 2 million seed funding and we have three well-known VCs. I mean, we have Grey Venture, Partech and Wavemaker. And and so that was great because it's all around the world. Mm -hmm. And now we're raising eight to 10 millions in Syria. It got delayed for some reasons that we wanted to prove, you know, where the madness comes is you want to prove your point. And that's where we are. We've mm -hmm. proven the profitable 
part is just just happened mm. and i think that's why we're more comfortable also because you can choose <laughs> so okay or in, in terms of where that money goes so the eight million how what's that to do what would that fund it's a lot of investment in the people but the people in the tech and the data team because mm. you need people to develop faster this is a world where everything goes fast and we need to accelerate now so we're launching in q2 the second app we need to have 45 millions within the next two to three years mm. on the platforms and have million users users yeah. and yeah. have at least four apps to be running mm. and this is accelerations and you can see you can see apple facebook amazon all making the headlines to say we're going in healthcare mm. they have the data guys yeah what they don't have now is probably the background of predictors but they will learn faster we need to accelerate and we have probably one to two years to do that right so are you competing against the apples of this world or i don't think we're competing but the risk is that they find another angle or buy all of us or aggregate all of us yeah it's a good way out to be honest let's not just cry ourselves yeah um, but um Apple is not making the best phones anymore because I mean it's improving. Yeah. Eight, nine, ten, fine. But it's it's it has to go into another direction. And services, health yeah. and yeah, the services and health is devices, the big thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so um the eight million to eight to ten is really to fund the rollout. Um, obviously the people, the tech, new apps as well. Um, and users. And users, user acquisition. And user acquisition is purely through the app store. So half is um ads. Yeah. And half is organic. We want to enter more partnerships. So we're partnering with community and with other apps. Mm. And that's an investment. I mean, you need to spend either time or money to make those partnerships work. But it's acquisition is half now organic, half advertising. Right. And how does the advertising work? Is it like Facebook ads yes, or like yes, yes. App Store ads? Yes. And, okay. So Facebook is the key uh, word. But at this point, Facebook will bring us, and, yeah, it will be it will be linear. We need to do a rupture now. We yeah. need to go not to be 2.5 million by the end of the year, but to be four, four millions. Yeah. And to do that rupture, it can't be Facebook only. Okay. And they're, they're, they, they know how to monitor you or growth. They're not going to give you a lot more. Yeah. Well, they'll squeeze everything out. They, they do. <laughs> they control a lot of things. We like them but, for that. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Excellent. I think that it's been a, a very interesting journey into the world of healing and also Marilyn. And um, thank you for sharing your your insights and your thoughts and your why is, you know, why you're doing this. And I, I think as well, you know, maybe we put it out there. I mean, obviously you're fundraising, you put out what, what you need and the kind of, you've mentioned some of the, the VCs you've got on board as well. So, you know, you, you're talking to institutional investors. What about the people that you want in your team? Because I imagine you're recruiting as well. Um, what, I mean, obviously there's hard skills that you talked about, maybe data scientists. What about the, the, the mindset? You know, so people watching this sometimes watch it because they're looking for teams to join and they make the, the decision, not necessarily on the product, um, often because of the industry syncs up with their background, but mostly because they like what you said. And like, you know, that, that got me here or, you know, it's that sort of why, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Like, I like what she's saying, you know, I'm, I'm in the similar situation. I want to make this happen. Right. So mindset wise, what kind of people are you looking for? Oh God, now I'm feeling I didn't convince anyone. Ugh. So well, I think if, you did a good if, job. But. I think if you, yeah, you need to want to work with people that are a bit stubborn. Like you said at the beginning, we're going to bang our heads against against the wall. And that's uh, the hard skill. So you must see me going like crazy thinking I didn't convince. How am I going to do it? And you need to be relaxed with that. Yeah, because... Mm. We're fighting here and we believe in it. And you need to be to want to work for some people that believe 
it's it's hard yeah and i think you 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 need to look at who you're looking up yeah mm. i only look up for people that are defending their ideas and fighting that's the one that you want to work with and those that will you know that will do look at you in in that sense i think that's one we're also looking at the us a lot so i mean if us is your dream us is a huge market and moving fast mm. so we're going to have to 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 have a team that can work with the americans The Americans are not, uh, you know, they're, they're a special species, I yeah. guess. So we're a lot of Europeans and a lot of Asians here. We need more Americans' mindset. So if you've studied there, if you know how to convince and if you know how to see the world in a bigger picture, maybe, yeah. Because we're too focused on solving problems and banging our heads in the team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need to want to work for people that believe and fight because we are those ones. Excellent. Love it. <laughs> Marilyn Marquet, Helen, thank you so much for coming on today. Put the call out there. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Is LinkedIn good for you? Is that work? Yes. Yes. At any, I mean, you, healing.com, Marilyn at Helen and Yeah, anywhere. We'll put all you, on the you, show notes. Yeah, you, so. yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, but thank you so much for having me. I feel like, you know, I'm a star today with those headsets. And you it was did a really great well. Feeling. I know um, you're a little bit nervous, but you, you've done a really good job. And merci beaucoup. And thank you so much with your ongoing journey. Wishing you all the best. And thank come you. back on as well in the future and give us an update on okay. the journey. Thank you. Thank you to the team. And thank you for those who listened to us today. Excellent. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.